With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. There's so much going on in, in basketball. Thank you so much for downloading this podcast. Um, Rex Walters joined me. This is a two-parter. It's a really long pod. Goes through his entire playing career, coaching career. And we'll have him back on for some more opinion stuff too as well because having played and coached at the NBA level, played and coached at the college level, who better is a resource? He's fantastic. Um, but I thought we'd get to him. I thought it'd be it, it great. So Rex Walters grew up in San Jose. He went to Northwestern, transferred to Kansas. And there's a lot of details to it, which I think you'll find fascinating. Here's my sit down with the former San Francisco head coach. You're a Northern California guy, right? Like, is that, was that where you were when you, like, your whole childhood growing up? Yeah, I'm a North Cal. My father was in the service, though. So he, we, right. we moved around a lot. I, I, I was born in Nebraska. We lived in Hawaii, uh, Aurora, Colorado. And then third grade, we settled in San Jose. And I was there all the way till I went to Northwestern. So, what was, what was that like? Like, San Jose in the 80s. Right. That's, <laughs> Because I, because again, like so often, one of the things we do is we try and view yesterday through the prism of today. Now, San Jose, you're talking about Silicon Valley. I mean, that's like the most expensive corridor to live in the United States, right? But it it was different then. What was it like for you? East Side San Jose, you know, lower 
maybe maybe upper middle class, middle middle class, lower middle class. We lived in a three three bedroom house, one story, had a pool in the back, had a had a hoop in the front yard. Very diverse. A lot of lot not not as much you know just everything. A lot of Asian people were living in East Side San Jose at that time. Basketball was pretty good. It was pretty good, not great, but pretty good. You know, my high school team had a guy named Lucius Davis who was big West Player of the Year. Kim Kemp went and played at Fullerton my senior year. We had a the state hike jump champ in Louis Wico. So ball was pretty easy, but it wasn't it wasn't like probably what you experienced down south. I mean, there's players everywhere in LA, but um no, it was it was it was great growing up. I, I played hoop every day. Middle school, elementary break, we were either playing football, playing basketball, lunch, played ate lunch, played basketball. I mean, that's all I really did. Didn't go out a whole lot. There was really no crime or anything like that. I didn't never worry about. I walked to school. It was a good, you know, 15, 20 minute walk to school. It was great. You know, it was different. Uh, you played pickup back then. AAU wasn't what it is now, nothing close. So you played pickup a lot. Flickinger Park, you'd go there. If you lost, you sat for a while. So you had to bring your A game when you played pickup and then ended up going a lot when I was about high school, started playing at like West Valley Junior College. They'd have pickup on Tuesdays and Thursdays, go to De Anza. There'd be a big tournament. You'd put together your team. And if you lost too many times, you were done. And they'd always have a champion. So my man, Al Jackson, was always my PG because, you know, he wasn't a great shooter, but he was tough as hell, would guard, would guard his man and mine. And we would we would try to win that thing every every week. So no, life was good. Eastside San Jose, really good. Had a great group. I was, I'm half Japanese. People don't know this. So a lot of my really good friends are, are actually Japanese American. So grew up in the Asian leagues, gave me something to do on a Friday night. I didn't go out a lot. I didn't drink. I didn't, I didn't, I was pretty simple dude. So uh, life was good back in the late eighties. Okay. So uh, when you say you're Japanese, like you, you speak Japanese. I know when I'm getting cursed out by my mom, I, I know what she's saying. <laughs> uh, you know, Urusai uh, Bakatare uh, means, you know, shut up, stupid. Um, you know, I, I know that stuff, but no, I can't speak it. I've been to Japan, I think, three times now. One to do a basketball camp, one as a high school senior. We went and played uh, about seven games over there with a bunch of Asian American players. But no, my mom went with us. She was the translator. She did the whole deal, so no, I, I don't. I don't speak Japanese, but I, I, I know a few words. Um, okay, so you're like high school. Um, did you did you start right as a freshman? Like, how how good were you early on in high school? Uh, freshman year didn't go out. It was too chicken to go out for the varsity team, and they weren't asking me. So, as a sophomore, I played varsity. Was good, like all league. Had a good team. We won our league, which had some. Independence High School was really good. So I went to Piedmont Hills. I graduated from Independence. That's a whole long story. Uh, you know, you've done that's, a few. That, that, that's what we're here for. <laughs> yeah, but so. That's the whole idea. <laughs> so, so, so your first year in high school, you go where? I go to Piedmont Hills. All My whole high school basketball career. Almost left my my before my senior year. I was going to go to Quincy, Illinois. Quincy High. They have big time basketball in Illinois. Quincy High is where my father is from. Uh, decided to stay because we got a kid named Kim Kemp. Kim Kemp was a 6'9 center, jumped out of the gym, was a leading scorer in CCS, 
which Central Coast section, uh, transferred over to us, moved into the area. We, we recruited him a little bit. We tried to get him to come over. We had a guy named Lucius Davis who was a hell of a player, six seven, could shoot threes, could kind of handle it. So we had a we had a pretty good squad. But so, fresh, sophomore year, played at varsity, made all league. We won league. So, junior year, don't win league because Walter Watts played at, at Independence, really good player, played in the NFL with the Oakland Raiders. Senior year, uh, we win league, we're rolling. We lose to Reardon, who had a guy named Wayman Strickland from Reardon High School, played at San Diego, lose to them. Troy LeBlanc played, I want to say he went to USC maybe, but um, lose to them. Ray Kelly, who played at Santa Barbara, was a hell of a player, was a junior. We lose to them in the section semifinal. Uh, you know, me and the coach didn't always get along. I'd just be really frank and upright. Like, I was one of the kids, guys were in the wrong place. I'd call timeout and tell them, hey, get these guys organized. Like, they don't know what the heck they're doing. So we never really got along that great. I, I didn't I didn't really – that's the, one of the reasons why I almost left. And after the season was over, I just decided, like, hey, when people talk about me as a player, they're not going to say I'm from Piedmont Hills High School. I, I had some of that in me, right? So I ended up going to Independence for the last three months – because all my friends went there when, 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 when Piedmont middle school branched off, you'd either go to Piedmont high, you'd go to, you'd go to independence. And I just said, Hey, I'm going to go hang out with my friends for the last two months. Enjoy it before I go to Northwestern. Um, and I just don't want people like, if you look at the Kansas, if you look at the Kansas uh, media guide, they'll, they'll name my coach, my coach. I, I, I changed it. My high school coach is Ruben Luna. So I was just, I was one of those dudes. I had, I had a big chip on my shoulder you know, kind of mad at the world. Nobody knew who I was, and, and I thought I was pretty good. So I'm not saying I was perfect or right, but but that's what I did. <laughs> um, okay, so why? how did you choose Northwestern? It was the biggest, it was the best offer. So my, my offers coming out of high school were Santa Clara. And not really offers. Back then, I don't know if it was like this for you. Like, teams didn't offer you. They recruited you, right? And then you go on a visit, and then you say, hey, do you want to come or not? So – the schools recruitment were Santa Clara, USF, Pepperdine. I visited Pepperdine, visited Santa Clara, and the Northwestern. And again, you know, my father's from Quincy, Illinois, and and you know, growing up in California, all I ever heard about in my household was like Midwest basketball is the best basketball. You you want to play against the best, you you go to the Big Ten, and that was my only offer. There's some Pac school, Pac Ten schools recruited me, like Kelvin Sampson was at Washington State. He recruited me, but I never visited. The, you know, USC a little bit, but no, no high majors. Wasn't a high major player. I was six foot three, about 170 pounds, skinny, really didn't guard it that great, could shoot it, pass it, handle it, but didn't look the part. So Northwest recruited me, Bill Donlin. His son's now the coach at UMKC. He recruited me, did a great job, sold me on the fact that, hey, year one, We'll be just okay. Year two, we'll have a chance to play in the NIT, be a postseason team. And then, you know, junior, senior year will be really good. And he says, as a freshman, it's going to be really tough. It's going to be hard for you to play. We've got three senior shooting guards. But as a sophomore, it's you and whoever we bring in. So at that point, I was like, all right, cool. Let's let's do that. I'm going to go, go to Illinois, prove I can play at the highest level. You know, good school, obviously, academically, which wasn't a – to be honest, wasn't like a big deal for me. I was going to go to school. I was going to get done what I needed to get done. But to me, it was all about basketball. So at the end of the day, I just said, you know, 
I'm going to Northwestern. My, my AAU coach was pissed. You know, Bill Grethage had come out. He was at North Carolina, came out and watched me. He said, Rex, if you sign late, you'll probably get some better stuff. Ruben was telling me. And when North Carolina comes out, that means that somebody thinks you can play at a higher level. But young kid had never been through the recruiting process. I think a lot of kids don't go through the recruiting process now anymore. So they don't really know what they're doing. I didn't. Bill Donald did a great job of just pressure, pressure, pressure. And I just remember I was on the phone talking to my I said, all right, I'm coming. Uh, told my dad. My dad said, all right, call every other school. Tell them, tell them you're done. You're going to Northwestern. And, and that's how all that came about. So you show up there. And what was it like? It's awful. It was cold as hell. We weren't very good. We had a guy named Walker Lambert was an unbelievable player. But in that league, when you talk about the league at that time, we'll say, let's think about Michigan, Glenn Rice, Sean Higgins, Ramil Robinson, Lloyd Vaught, Terry Mills. Talk about Indiana, Jay Edwards, Lyndon Jones, um, you know, uh, Eric Anderson. You talk about Illinois, Nick Anderson, Kenny Battle, Kendall Gill like loaded, like that league was loaded. Like Minnesota, we battled Minnesota. They had Willie Burton, Kevin Lynch, two NBA players. Like everyone was good and we weren't. And it's cold. It's hard academically. For the first year, I didn't play at all. I, I used to, I, I was, I would jokingly call myself the worst player in the Big Ten because we're the worst team and I don't play. So I must be one of the worst players in the Big Ten. And then all I did was just hoop. Like, again, I just, I, I lifted three, four days a week on my own. Like I basically lived at Welsh Ryan arena, just shot, worked out, go to school, shot, work out, play pickup against regular students to work on stuff. Got a lot better. By the, by the time I was ended my freshman, I knew I could play in that league. And then my sophomore year had a really, really good season, but we couldn't, we couldn't get over the hump in terms of winning. And I also knew Walker Lambiot was graduating. So, you know, you know how it is when you've got, two or three good players, they can't focus their defense on you. So every every time I went out there at Northwestern, they were focused on Walker Lambiot. He played at North Carolina State. It was McDonald's All-American. Great player, like jumped out of the gym 6'7", did some amazing things. So I was always getting secondary looks. But also we were losing, and then he was graduating. I'm like, there's no way we're taking another step. We won, I think, 11 or 12 games my sophomore year. I said, there's no way we're taking a step to win 17 to 20 games, get to the middle of the pack in the Big Ten. I said, it's not going to happen. So at that point, I called my AU coach. I said, hey, uh, I'm going to leave. He's like, about time. You know, my father even was saying like, yeah, this is not the right place for you just because I don't want you to experience losing for four straight years. That was just too much. And so at that point, uh, it was it was it, actually, it's funny, Bill Foster had approached me before our last game and said, hey, I, I'm, I'm hearing you're leaving. And I, at first I said, no, I'm, I'm good. Nothing's going to happen. And then I actually walked into his office before. I said, I don't want to lie to you. Like, I'm thinking about leaving. You know, this is our last game. I haven't made a decision yet, but it, it's definitely on my mind. And he didn't say a whole lot to me. We played the game. I thought for sure I'm getting benched. He actually played me a whole lot. And uh, still at the end of the day, about maybe a week or two later, because I'm, you know, what, 19, 20 years old, I write him a letter. I walk in, I give him the letter, say, hey, I'm, I'm going to leave. And at that point, I was out of there. Okay, so um, how did it come to go to Kansas and play for Roy Williams? So I watched Kansas that whole year. So like I said, I was in the gym a lot. And at that time, satellite TV, you didn't get a lot of games. But at the office, they would have all the games on, ESPN, everything. And so – I'd go work out. I'd watch Big Monday. Kansas was really good. Kevin Pritchard, Jeff Geldner, Pekka Markinen, 
Mark Randall, and they're killing everybody. They're beating LSU. LSU's got Chris Jackson, Shaquille, Stanley Roberts. They're beating everybody. Beat UNLV um, earlier in that year when UNLV was really good with the George Ackles. You know, I don't think Larry was there yet. He might have been, but but still beat at UNLV the year they won it. Uh, I think it was nine, 89-90. And I'm looking out there, and I'm like, okay, you know, these guys play fast. They let guys play in terms of, of you know, they shoot the basketball. Jeff Gelden would get the ball up the court, shoot the ball. Kevin Pritchard. So my AU coach called him. He, he knew Bill Duffy. Bill Duffy is the very famous agent, represents everybody in the NBA. Bill Duffy and Kevin Stallings were roommates, I want to say, at Minnesota. Uh, both of them ended up leaving. I want to. I want to say, you know, Kevin Stallings ended up finishing. I don't know where Kevin Stallings finished, but Bill Duffy finished up at Santa Clara, and Bill got Ruben, my AAU coach, in touch with Kevin Stallings. Kevin Stallings had coached at Purdue, and they were very interested. So they were just coming off some recruiting uh, issues. They couldn't have. Uh, they had so many days they could be out on the road because of what had happened in '88 with Larry Brown's program. They were put on probation. So they had some scholarships available. Uh, Arizona was messing with you. Jesse Evans, it's funny. Jesse Evans is the guy that I basically replaced. Well, actually, your coach, Eddie Sutton, coached for a short time at San Francisco. Jesse Evans was the coach there before him. Uh, he recruited me, but it was I didn't feel like it was for real. I didn't feel like they really, really wanted me. And then UCLA, because Jim Herrick had got the job at UCLA, they were recruiting me as well. But I had played against all those guys, played against Derek Martin, Mitchell Butler. You know, I I knew all those guys. And I wasn't – although UCLA was always my school. Like, grew up wearing the UCLA starter jacket, loved UCLA, read John Wooden's The Pyramid Success. Um, But I didn't want to play with those guys. I I was like, eh, I'm I'm good. I don't want to do that. So I ended up going to Kansas. Coach Williams was very to the point opportunity. We're going to play really hard, spend some time with me, but it wasn't like we were like, it wasn't like coach one was like, Oh, he recruited the heck out of me. It's like, it's Kansas. Like you go to Kansas, you're going to play in front of 15,800 people. They play the way that I'd like to play. They play fast. And so I visited, didn't do much. I wasn't a go out guy. We played pickup once we went to Robinson gym, played pickup at Robinson gym. Didn't even play that good, but, but but yeah, it was it was a no brainer for me at that point. I, I talked to Santa Clara. Dick Davey was was didn't believe that I would go to Santa Clara. Dick Davey recruited me at Santa Clara, but it was Kansas all along. Just just because I watched them that whole season, I loved the way they played. And I knew Geldner was tra- uh, graduate. I knew Terry Brown was graduating the year that I was sitting out. He was going to be gone. But even then, like when I got there, like Coach Williams, I always say this story. I scored 16 points in the late night practice. He walks up to me the next day and said, you played well, but you don't play defense. You're not going to play here. And I didn't have any idea what I was doing defensively. No clue. Had never played it in high school. We played zone at Northwestern. So that was a big – the year that I sat out was really, really important for me to understand how hard I was going to have to play, how we played defensively, and, you know, sharing the ball. Like that wasn't a big thing for me as well. I, I like to score the ball a little bit. You know, I always thought the best shot was a shot I was taking. So that was a little bit of an adjustment for me as well. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? 
And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. So that, that you're off. So when I sat out, I, I did it at a junior college, and I and my one of my old high school coaches, Tom McCluskey, was the head coach at Golden West. And so you go to practice, you just like, I'm just going to try and score every time I have the ball, every <laughs> single time. Um, so I, I, I understand your, your, the, the mentality. But then when you come back to play that next year, and I think sitting out for a year is great. Like, we've completely done away with it. But it's really important. I mean, a lot of those guys that are the success stories as transfers, because they played some, you kind of learn about your game. You can really develop your body. You know, it's like, it's awesome to play a year and then sit or you play two years and then sit. And then now when you come out and it's your first time playing, now you have, I mean, you're just an insane person because you haven't played in a year. What do you remember about when you came back and it's your first game is playing for Kansas? Yeah. So I, I made the biggest jump as a player in terms of improvement from the end of my sophomore year at Northwestern sitting out at Kansas. Like it was at that point, it was like maniacal, crazy, like wanted to have the best squad. I ended up having the best squad on the team. I had the best vertical on the team until Darren Hancock signed the next year. So, something had changed in me and I had an even bigger like chip on my shoulder 
And I understood how we were going to play. I understood secondary break. You played against Kansas. You played against Coach Williams' teams. They run a lot of stuff. They run that motion offense. you got to be able to read and understand things. And we have a lot of sets as well. So I understood all that stuff. And really, as a, as a guy that wanted to score, like, okay, here are where my scoring opportunities are going to come from. This is where I got to be really, really good. Like, I got to be really good in the first three seconds when we get a rebound or get a stop of running the court because they're going to pitch it ahead to me. I'm going to get the B1 jump. I'm going to set a great shuffle cut screen so I get the down screen. I'm going to get that top of the key jumper. I know in, in you know, B23, I'm going to get a back door. I know dribble option, how to set up my man. So all those things. And I became a lot more athletic. Like, my body – had finally filled out. I was skinny as a high school player, skinny as a freshman, a little bit better as a sophomore. And then with the whole year off, all I did was I went to school. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say like, oh, school was so important to me. It was important. I was going to go to class because I didn't want to get in trouble. I wanted to get my degree. But everything was hoop, like everything at that point. And every day you're going against Terry Brown. It was a final four team. It was a national championship finals team. Terry Brown, Mark Randall, you know, Mike Maddox, Sean Tunstall was an unbelievable player that never. And I always say this, if if Sean Tunstall doesn't get in trouble and he didn't get kicked off the team, Coach Williams, but Coach Williams didn't. And Coach Williams will even say he, he regrets this because Sean passed away. But Sean doesn't make it. All of a sudden, I go from being the eighth or ninth guy to being the starting shooting guard to being the leading scorer. And so that really opened everything. That's the one time things have really worked out for me in terms of opportunity. And I took full advantage of it. And I, I could jump. I could really shoot. I understood what we were trying to do. I understood. I had a better understanding defensively. Still had some work to do. But I understood, hey, one pass away, we're denying the crap out of it. Adonis can guard the frick out of the basketball. I might get a couple, like, you know, little deflection, steal, layup, dunk, whatever. So it was a great, great year for me. We were really, really good. Uh, playing at Kansas, it's it's unbelievable. I mean, Stillwater's really good as well. Kansas is phenomenal. The people there, uh, the fanfare, like everything is phenomenal about Kansas. So I, for a guy like me who coming from San Jose, California, basketball is not that big of a deal. Like it was like basketball heaven. Like this is what it's all about. So it was it was it was a great year for me. I, I, if if, it, if I was living in today's age, I would have left and gone pro. I had a great year. I probably was going to be a somewhere where, you know, even lower than a 16th pick. But I, I came back and, and had a pretty good year my senior year. Um, what what was Roy Williams like to play for in games? He was actually, I mean, games were really good. Like he 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 didn't get. He was very controlled, very calm. If he got on you, it would be in a timeout where no one could see. Like I remember one time I was struggling my senior year and I threw the towel. Right. Coming out of the timeout, like someone gave me a town. I just threw it. And all he did was just stare at me, you know, and, and you know, you do have the fear of God of Coach Williams. Like I, I had the healthy fear of him. Like I got in a lot of trouble in terms of just decisions, you know, and he would kick me out of practice like a little fella. But, man, he'd scared the crap out of me. We didn't have too many long conversations like there was a healthy fear of him. He would run us. He would run us into the ground. If you miss class, 6 a.m., you know, drop off in the middle of, of Kansas, you'd have to run back before your class was over. Like it was, it was different. And if you messed up in practice, if you gave attitude, if you questioned the call, like, and that was who I was like, 
That's what I did. So I was always a little bit of trouble, not like, you know, no drugs, no alcohol, not staying out late, but just like, but in games, he was phenomenal in terms of not necessarily positive, but gives you confidence in terms of he believes in what he's doing. He believes in how we're playing. Um, I remember playing against, I told the story like Anthony Peel, I think he had 43 my, my junior year. And he said, fellas, he can score 50. He ain't winning tonight. And it'd be a close game. And we'd be up two or down four, three minutes to go. He'd look at us and say, hey, isn't this fun? Like he was a master at those things uh, that would give you confidence, let you play relaxed and yet still confident. So, no, he was he was a great coach for me, something I really needed as a as a young player. Um, okay, so so you get done. Um, you, you get done playing it at KU. What was the decision process like in terms of selecting an agent? It's interesting. Uh, I think it's one of, one of the many ways that I have upset Coach Williams. So Bill Duffy had helped my AAU coach get in, stu- get in touch with Kevin Stallings. Um, but Kansas always had – or Coach Williams had relationships with, you know, Leaf Interest. I want to say they were like pro-serve at the time. Had a relationship with David Falk. You know, Carolina had a lot of players probably going in that direction. And I just felt a, a loyalty to Bill Duffy – because I knew, and I'd never talked to Bill. Like I just knew that Ruben had used Bill to get to Kevin Stallings. And so coach Williams, how he manages it, which was really good. Like we don't talk about agents through the whole senior season. Don't, don't even address it. Don't talk about it. And then at the end of the season, he says, Hey, okay, there's all the mail I'm getting from agents. I've got it down Rex to about five. I don't know what you've got, but if you've got some guys that, that you know of, Please bring them to the table. Then it got down to about four people, four people that that and one was Leaf Interest. One was it wasn't David Fox. I want to say it was Mike Higgins, but he worked for Falk. Mark Bartlestein from Priority Sports and then Bill Duffy. And I want to say Aaron Goodwin might have came in, too. They were both together at the time. We sit down with all of them. We meet at the old I want to say it's the Eldridge Hotel in, in Lawrence, Kansas. Each one goes through their spiel, tells us what they're going to do for us or for me. And then I thought about it and I called, I was at Benihana, Benihana um, that spring summer. And I said, Hey coach, I, I'm going to go with Duff. I'm going to go with Bill Duffy. And I remember coach Williams just said, and saying to me like, yeah, it's not what I would do, but I, I respect your decision. You know, um, you know, go ahead and do what you feel is best. So that's how I went with Duff. But I, I've been through agents now. I went through Duff. Then Duff and Aaron Goodwin split. I went with Aaron. And then I was with Aaron for a while. I mean, he Aaron had guys. He had Jason Kidd, Damon Stoudemire, like every good point guard. I'm like, I, I'm really low on that pecking order. I need to maybe think about someone else. Then I went with Mark Bartlestein. But I really liked Mark. He was the one guy I had no affiliation with. My father really liked him. And I stayed with Mark pretty much my whole career as an NBA player, did a good job for me. And then, uh, yeah, so I went through three agents uh, as an NBA player. But Mark, Mark did a great job, got me some good contracts, got me down to Miami after I was – he knew I was being released by the Sixers and already had a place for me in Miami and then even got me a couple jobs overseas. So Mark from prior and, – and nothing against Duff or Anger. They did a good job. I just – I thought they were too big for me at the time. And Mark was at that time 
more about your mid and low level players in the NBA. And he would call and he would watch games and we could talk basketball. And I really liked that. And with, with Aaron, who's good dude and Duff, like I just knew when you got Jason, you know, all these players, Gary Payton, like there's no way in the world I'm very high on the picking order. And, and that's really the reason why I decided to leave those guys. You're getting ready for the draft. You picked your agent. What do you remember about the process? The process, you know, back then they had the old Desert Classic in Phoenix. So I, I played in the Desert Classic, played on a good team. Del Harris was our coach, was a great coach for me. Nick Van Exel was on the team as one. Well. And Nick and I, and I mean, Nick probably, Nick was, Nick's one of those guys that could make shots, like just make shots from anywhere, make big shots. But I played really well. Really well. I was solid. I proved that I could play a little bit of point. I went to Chicago for the pre-draft, but at that point, Duff and Aaron were like, you don't really need to play if you don't want to. I don't know. I probably should have played, but I didn't. I just didn't. Feel, but I went through the physicals and all that stuff. They got me a few little signing deals, baseball card signing deals, stuff like that. They told me, hey, you're going to be either with Nike or Adidas. We'll take care of your shoe situation. I ended up going with Reebok, I believe. <laughs> And went to Chicago, stayed home for the draft. So it's so funny, like San Jose, I'm, I'm, in, I'm staying in San Jose with my parents. I read the morning paper the day of the draft. They don't even have me getting drafted. I'm like, well, how, how is that even possible? Like, I just went to a Final Four, had a really good season. Don't get it, but I don't go to the draft. I have all my friends come over to the house I'm locking myself in my parents' bedroom so I could watch the draft by myself because I don't want them seeing me react positively or negatively to getting picked or not getting picked. We we got drafted, got a phone call from Willis Reed, talked to Chuck Daly. My name's called. We go to Tony Roma's, get some ribs. I had already purchased a car, got my Lexus. We had a really good night. Um it was it was a good day. That was that was a really good day. And about three or four days later, I fly out because it's the start of summer league at Westchester. I remember going out there playing in summer league with PJ Brown, who ended up being a good friend and a really good teammate. We played together in Miami as well. Won a lot of games. I think we lost in the finals to Milwaukee's team, who had Todd Daly, Mayberry. I, I love I love that you went to Tony Ro- Romas. Do, do they still have Tony Romas? That's yeah, a good it's, memory. Those are good memories. And it's good because all my friends and family, you know, my brother was there. My my father was there for the draft. And then all my boys, all the guys that I grew up. And, and again, I'm half Japanese. So Rob Moriyama, Derek Mune, all my boys just having a good time, knowing that, hey, I still haven't worked a day in my life. But, but you know, life is good. I don't have to worry about money. I know what I'm doing with myself going to Jersey, which wasn't something I was crazy about. I wasn't crazy about going to Jersey, but you know, great team, Derek Coleman. I just saw him the other night. He was at my son's high school basketball game, Kenny Anderson. They just so lost. So, 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 okay. So you, you're a rookie in yes. the NBA. Yes. In Jersey. Yes. And you guys were very, even if it was a talented team, where'd you live? Like, how'd you decide where you're going to live? Agent helped with all that stuff. Uh, Bill Duff me, uh, flew out there with me, helped me get another car, helped me get my, my second car, a Jeep Grand Cherokee. They, nice. They, what color? It was a black black and gold Jeep Grand Cherokee. It was nice. It was very nice for the snow. And then he, you know, he makes phone calls. Where do the players live? So I lived in apartments. I want to say it was, it was called 
the Excelsior. It was like 150 Prospect Avenue. I remember, um, gosh, mighty, like a lot of hockey players. And I, Ed Lover lived there, too. That's one thing I remember. I don't know if you remember Ed Lover. He had the Ed Lover dance. He lived there. Jason Williams lived there. A lot of the players lived there. David Wesley lived there. And, and so, yeah, I, we, he found me the apartment. It was a two-bedroom. And looking over just, you know, you know, Jersey, like not, not, not a great view, but it was, oh, are you on the, you on the water? Like you, you're in Teaneck or like, uh, Hackensack is, yeah, Hackensack's a little bit up. So you gotta, you gotta really hope it's a clear day to see the Hudson. It's gotta be a really clear day. And there weren't a lot of those in Jersey. And, then, and, and who's your coach? Chuck Daly. Chuck Daly was my rookie coach. We probably said 10 words the whole season. We didn't talk. I mean, he he knew what he wanted to do. They had signed Kevin Edwards to try to replace Ke- Drazen Petrick, which Kevin was a really good player. He wasn't Drazen Petrick, but no offense to Kevin. Heck of a player. And, you know, we had solid teams. Went to, went to the playoffs, lost to, lost to the Knicks my my uh, rookie year, and then Chuck. Yeah, but, 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 but think, of, think about all of this stuff, right? Like you have – you said Jason Williams, right? I mean, we know what happened with him with the shotgun. Yeah, you know, you're Drazen Petrovic who tragically died in a car accident. David Wesley, right? like you have these are, and then of course Chuck Daly's the coach of the Bad Boys, the coach of the Dream Team. Like these are some, this is some unbelievable, these are unbelievable people kind of coming together. What was my interactions with DC? Are I don't know anybody who doesn't like Derek Coleman. No question. Literally, like he's one of those guys. Yeah. And I, I would also, if I was being honest, maybe could have been one of the great players in the history of the NBA. I, d- I don't know why it didn't translate to being as good as his, his talent. What was, what was Derek Coleman like? Derek, and you're right about Derek. Like, his teammates loved him. He was an absolute no BS guy. In terms of he said exactly what he thought and felt, whether it was good or bad. Like, I remember... They offered him a contract for $69 million, and he thought that that wasn't enough. So he bought all of us T-shirts with the 69, and it had the Ghostbusters like, no, no, no 69. Like, um, and, and so he would come to practice, and, and, you know, some days he felt like practice, some days he did. But he was a phenomenal, like the best hands I've ever seen. If he was playing in today's day, he would be a guy that was your super skilled four <laughs> play some five, can shoot threes, could post up, could handle, could pass it. You know, the reason why, a lot of reasons why, like, Chuck was, like, the perfect coach for him. I think Derek had great respect for Chuck. I remember in a timeout, Derek's sitting there, and Chuck's starting to diagram some stuff up, and Derek's like, man, quit running that bullshit. Like, just give me the ball. And then Chuck just looked at him. He's like, well, what do you want to run, Derek? And Derek just kind of looked at him. He's like, no, no, you got this. You know, like kind of like respect. You know what I mean? Like, I don't yeah. think that necessarily always happened with all of Derek's coaches. So he, when when Chuck left, I think that did impact Derek as a player because because he could hold Derek accountable and he knew the line that was there with Derek. And so he was going to try to push the line further, but he was never going to go over the line at that time, if that makes sense. But 
you know, losing Drazik also hurt Derek because when you have great players, it's like all, you know, everything raises when you have great players around you. He had Kenny Anderson, great player. You know, like there was no way in the world I was going to try to replace or could replace Drazen Petrovic. I was a good player, really good college player, but I wasn't Drazen Petrovic. Kevin Edwards was a really good NBA player, but he wasn't Drazen Petrovic. So all those things and Derek, like Derek said exactly what was on his mind and could be intimidating to the press. He was phenomenal to his teammates. But he could be intimidating to the press, like kind of like Russell Westbrook, like would intimidate the press. And that's what Derek did. So he would never have the media necessarily on his side. And he didn't care, to be honest with you. He didn't care about that. But, you know, we had, we had a crew. Derek, I mean, Jason Williams, Kenny Anderson, Dwayne Shinsis, Rick Mahorn, Benoit Benjamin. Like, come on, man. Like that, that – there wasn't a lot of character check in terms of, hey, we want to bring in all high character guys and, and they're good dudes. Like I've never been around a bad dude, but they like to have fun. They, they, they probably made some mistakes. We all do. And so that 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 was really coming from Kansas. That was like an eye opener about is this really what the NBA is like? Because this is crazy. I remember we're coming back from training camp and it's a full fledged like you wonder why guys get into automobile accidents. You know, I know David was in a rough one. It was like everyone's racing. Guys are going 80, 90, 100 miles an hour down, you know, the, the, the Jersey Turnpike. I remember the police pulls out. Derek swerves to the left, back into the lane. Like, that was like we just – it was crazy. It was just full-on crazy. Practical jokes, knocking on guys' doors, breaking into guys' rooms. You know, like Jason Williams, one time he, he uh, rolled tape – over the windshield wipers of Rick Mahorn. He always had a problem with Rick Mahorn. Him and Rick Mahorn, he used, Jason used to tell me, would always tell him, because Jason couldn't remember plays, right? He couldn't. So Rick Mahorn, when he was in Philly, would always tell Jason the wrong place to be when he went out in the court. And then, of course, Jason <laughs> subbed out. Rick Mahorn would go in, you know? like So that was that team. That team was was wild, to say the least. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet that's right up to fifteen hundred dollars again sign up using code buckeye and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet BetMGM and game sense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park that's 1-800-GAMBLER Live Nation presents Concert Week. 
Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual-wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Uh, okay, Dwayne Shinsis. Dwayne Shinsis. What was, I like, the last thing image to a basketball fan or somebody who like at the time I'm in high school, he had that he's a giant dude, played at Florida big mullet but I don't remember any, I don't, I can't tell you anything about him as a player. What was, what was Dwayne Shins like? He was, he was a skill guy. It's funny because you hear all these things about how crazy Shin was. He, he was funny. He had lost confidence when he got to the NBA. And you know how it is. You lose confidence as a player. You're like a totally different guy than everyone thought you were. Like really, really funny, really smart, had a good heart. Like I remember he wrote on the back of his shoes, like Rex, I'm not getting a shoe deal. So on the back of his shoes, he put down air shin, you know, air on one side, shin on the other. But just he lost his confidence. And at that point, he was just trying to hang on and stay in the league, but like really good dude, good heart. You, you know, you know, he passed away and that's really sad, but all the things you had read about how crazy he was at Florida and how he would go at people. And I didn't see any of that. He had lost something along the way. And that's what the NBA will do to you. Like you're going against sharks. You're going against like killers. And if you don't have that confidence or you lose your confidence, it's like blood in the water. And I think that he felt that for whatever reason and could never really carve out a career for himself. That was, I mean, he was legit seven, seven plus could shoot the ball, but something just happened. And I, and I don't know what it was to be honest with you. Honestly, that's, that's incredibly interesting because I agree with you. I, I would say that's what happened to me is you, you lose that confidence and dudes know. And, you know, like for me, it was shooting, right? And they'll all, they just call you out, you know, at right, right then and there. You have to have unbelievable. That's the thing that people I don't think recognize enough about Steph Curry, you know, is that among the things he has, he has this remarkable self-confidence where he can literally miss 10 and think he's going to hit the next one. And, um, but you, you had that, you naturally had that. You mentioned a chip on your shoulder. I mean, those are the things that can rub some people the wrong way, but you're not going to make it unless you have that. How did you keep it when you like, you go to the NBA and you're not playing that much and you're cut your Chuck Daly pretends like you don't exist because you're a rookie. How did you maintain your self-confidence? Yeah, it's hard. It's a challenge. And you know, 
when an organization believes you and there are some guys it doesn't matter like you you can believe in me not believe in me it doesn't matter some guys like i was i was called into i had to question myself sometimes and even like towards the latter part of my career like my last year in miami like coach riley had decided hey i'm playing anthony carter over you we think he's got a chance to be really good and it really hurt me. Like, that's when it hurt me because every day in practice, Doug, like I'm going to kill Anthony Carter and the starters every day. I'm going to make it. And, and I wasn't just a quiet. I wasn't like John Stockton, you know, quiet boy. wasn't going to say like I was going to say something. And it drove Coach Riley crazy. So really, you know, and, and I didn't have a great career. I had a very average, below average career. But I, I, I for some reason, I never lost. And I think some of that was because of my work ethic. Some of that's because of my father and my father, you know, pushing me and always being honest with me. And I always had to have that chip because I didn't come, you know, I didn't come from, you know, a basketball area. I didn't, San Jose, nobody knows any players from San Jose. They just don't come out of there. So I always had a chip on my shoulder and that really helped me. But it also hurt me because I probably could have played a few more years. I remember we're in Seattle and we're good. Like Miami's good. Timmy Hardaway's out. So I'm playing a little bit, but still I'm like, I should be starting. I should be playing more. This is some BS. Like I don't get it. And finally Riley just called me in and he said, Hey man, like, I just want to let you know, I can't cut. I can't trade you. Nobody wants you. Right. But I can cut you. And I was like, that's the, like, I, the tears, like you know, tears kind of rolled up in my eyes. Like, damn, this dude, like really. And he was just doing his job. I respect that. I love Pat Riley, but it's because like every day I was out to prove I should play, but not just with my play, I would say something. And he's like, you're tearing down. Like he was trying to tell me that you're tearing down the fabric of our team. It's about the team first. And you're worried about your career, but he ended up cutting me like maybe a month and a half later, they signed, Bruce Brown was, was the right move. Bruce was a good player for them. They got rid of me, and, and it hurt me because they had younger players that I knew weren't as good as me. But, you know, within an organization, they're trying to always build and build up guys. So I got let go and played overseas in Spain. But that's when my confidence and my edge, like, hurt me. It hurt me in Philly. Like, in Philadelphia, Larry Brown wanted me to put, on the, put me on the injured list. And I was like, hell no, I'm not injured. Like, why would I go on the injured list? And he's like, well, and he would never talk. He'd always send an assistant, which I didn't respect at all. Like Mo Cheeks, John Kuster, like they'd always come, hey, Rex, Larry, watch on the on the injury list. And I'm like, I'm not injured. He's like, yeah, but we need to play our draft picks. We need to play our younger guys. I was like, well, then play them. But I'm not going on the injured list. So you can put a guy I'm better than, you know, on the active roster. So they ended up cutting me. You know, Mark knew what Mark Barlson knew was going to happen. They cut me. I signed 10 days later with the Miami Heat, you know, so all that confidence actually kind of hurt me because I cop I probably could have played 10 to 12 years as opposed to seven years if I would have just kept my mouth shut, did what they asked me to do. But that's really not who I was and what I was about. If that makes sense. It's all this stuff's unbelievable. It's like you wouldn't have made it if you didn't have the confidence. But you, but you, you would have stuck longer if you would have been able to manage it and manage your, you know, how you handled it, right? Like it's a, because I, I can tell you the other way around. If you don't have a confidence, you got no shot to make it, right? You just don't. And then, so, so it's like you, you have to maintain it, but you have to manage it. Um, and maybe that's what you you didn't do. What was, what, who was your favorite teammate you had during your seven years? 
Oh, I had some great teammates. Like I, I, I've never had a bad teammate. Like not, not one. PJ Brown because I played with him probably the longest. PJ was just a great team guy, great defender. Would always come up to me and like, "What do you think about that, dog?" Like you know, because Coach Riley would have these thirty-minute speeches, you know, and they would they would be pointed and in depth and coming at you, you know. So I always enjoyed spending time with PJ. You know, but I had great teammates. Like Derek Coleman was a great teammate. Rick Mahorn was a great teammate. Jason Williams was a phenomenal, phenomenal teammate. A little crazy, right? We I still talk to Jay this day. A little crazy, great teammate. And then I go to Philly. Allen Iverson was a phenomenal teammate. Jerry Stackhouse, good teammate. You know, Jimmy Jackson, good teammate. Like they were all, and they were always happy for me when I got picked up by Miami. I remember Jimmy and Jerry, like, man. It sure worked out good for you. Like, we'd love to be down here, you know? So, like, people care about each other. And, you know, it's not like I ever formed, like, really close relation. PJ was probably the closest. Tim Hardaway, great teammate. Alonzo Mourning, phenomenal teammate. Jamal Mashburn. I mean, uh, the, people think – people don't understand NBA players. Like, you, you've already talked about it. you got to have an unbelievable confidence – I also think NBA players feel like people always want something from them. I never experienced that. I'm 6'3". I'm white. I don't look like an NBA player. So people weren't always coming at me. And my parents, I've come from a middle-class family. My, you know, my brother and sister never wanted stuff from me. My friends never wanted stuff from me. But NBA players, I think sometimes that, that applies. And so they always have people, you're a little guarded, if that makes sense. But I had that's great, a, that's a great That's a great point. That's a, honestly a great point that I don't think – enough people articulate you know it's yeah. like like every time you get a call or a text from an old buddy it's for it's it's a, eventually for something you know tickets shoes a favor etc you're you're going to be less open with always returning texts and always returning phone calls it's it's a great point it's a, it's, a great, it's a great point yeah 100 percent. and i think i love all those guys like but, but yeah, I, I can understand why, you know, I, I sat, you know, Derek was at the game. He's, he was there to support his high school coach, one of his mentors, and nobody really messed with him. He's six, nine, he's big, like, you know, in good shape, but big, like that's intimidating. And, and on top of that, he's got a scowl, but the dude is a great, great guy. Like I see him, we give a hug to each other. We, we, you know, visited for about five minutes, but I'm over there looking and nobody knows who I am. I can go to the game and nobody knows who I am. But with him, I'm like, you would think these all these kids would be asking him for his autograph, you know, and it's like they're a little intimidated. And the dude has got the best heart in the world. Wasn't that great? That's part one. That's part one. We'll get you part two very, very in very short order. In the meantime, reminder, the Doug Gottlieb Show is daily, 3 to 6 Eastern, 12 to 3 Pacific, in the iHeartRadio app or FoxSportsRadio.com. Reminder, you can download this, subscribe, rate, write a review, whatever you want. And uh, feel free, if you like it, to make sure you tweet about it. Write about it on Facebook. That was a good one for Kansas fans. Go down memory lane. I'm Doug Gottlieb. This is All Ball. At 
at Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. 